Hello, this is Johnny Tacos. Welcome to another Taco Tuesday testimonials. I have a special treat. Well, a living miracle, as you can speak, uh, Mr. Byron Ernest. And we'll, we'll be talking to him a little bit about his life. Um, unfortunately, the untimely accident that happened a year ago. And through the, um, the miraculous, miraculously healing hands of the Lord, rising him back from the dead. And through that journey to um, become whole again, to actually uh, singing in today's uh, worship team. So please stand by. Let's hit that intro music. Hello, welcome back. So I want to say before I have uh, Byron on the line, uh, please pray for the um, people in uh, in Ukraine so they can end this battle peacefully. You know, it's it's un it's unforgiving what Russia is doing to the poor people in Ukraine, and you know we send our thoughts and prayers to y'all and pray that you become safe and become shielded uh, by God's hands away from uh, the enemy that comes to you. So um, please pray for them. Please keep them in your thoughts. If you can't help them financially, uh, help them through prayer because God does answer prayers and he does create miracles. And speaking of miracles, you like that segue? I am introducing Mr. Byron. What is up, Byron? Hey, Johnny. Oh, everything is up. God everything, is up. <laughs> always, always. I just want to say thank you so much for coming up on the show. This has been a show in the making. We've been yeah. talking about this for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And what is the perfect opportune time for this show than your one-year anniversary yeah. of your resurrection? Yes, 365 days ago. So his middle name should be Lazarus. <laughs> so, so uh, let's talk a little bit. Let's let's get all, all my listeners a little interested in learning about you, about your how you grew up as a child, mm-hmm. and through high school and so on. I know it was only a couple of days ago, a year ago that you were reborn, but right. the, before that, oh my goodness, before that. So I was born in nineteen sixty. And I was stillborn, so they had to bring me back to life even back then, you know. And that was in uh, Oak Cliff, Texas. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of that. I grew up in Oak Cliff, grew up as Catholic, a uh, Catholic boy, and uh, was a um, an altar boy, my brother and I. My brother was about a year and a half older than me. And so we were we went to church every Sunday, and, you know, and that's that's really where I would say where I started learning about the Bible about God didn't really understand who Jesus was yet, but I knew that was a holy place. I know when you walked into church, things went down a couple of notches as far as your voice and that sort of thing. But um, kind of my raising, my dad left when I was about four. Uh, my mother was an alcoholic for all of my 
raising, and, and a little bit after, she finally got saved and got delivered alcohol. It was a very tough life. I went to about 13 schools, I guess, growing up. Lived in, lived in you know various places throughout Dallas and Oak Cliff, mostly Oak Cliff. But my life was very difficult for my all the way up to I was about 15 or 16 years old when I wanted to go live with my father. So really, my raising was, we had to be very independent, my brother and I, because we did really didn't get any support from my mother. Even when we were very young, we ended up learning how to cook ourselves and defend for ourselves and live by ourselves when mom's out for a long time. But thank you, Jesus, I had a wonderful grandfather. You know, we always had those. His family was in order. His life was in order. He was devoted Catholic. And he, when I went to my grandfather's house, which was only a co- couple blocks away, it was just like going into Disneyland. Not Disneyland. Going to a place where everything is perfect and nice and peaceful and secure. Go to, back to my mom's place. Chaos. Guns. Shooting. You know, just it was, it was, it was not good. But God was watching me this entire time. I knew I had a calling on my life when I was very young. When I was young, even as an altar boy, my uncle, Uncle Donald, who I uh, love so much, uh, he's a priest. Okay, so my grandfather, his son, became a priest. And so my early age, probably around five or six, I wanted to be a priest. I want to be like them. Man, man, that just seems so awesome. And I just feel like that's where I was going. So really my calling... Uh, very young, somehow to to share the gospel. And as I was growing up, uh, really there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's just that it was chaos most of the time, except over at my grandfather's who would take us to the lake and camping and stuff like that, go back to mom's house, and it wasn't, you know, food stamps, you know, that kind of living. Uh, but, but like I said, my brother and I, and then I had a sister in 65, which I loved very dearly. So it ended up being us three kids, um, pretty much taking care of each other most of the time. So I'll just kind of fast forward that so you don't, you know, there's not a whole lot to praise God about there um, other than he delivered me from that. When I was 15, I went to go live with my father, went to DeSoto High School. Everything was looking up. I was not a Christian, but I became a typical football player type, you know, guy uh, that did not live, um, I guess, a righteous life. You know, all the things you did when you were a teenager that you shouldn't have done, all the trouble you get into, and all the girlfriends you had, and that sort of thing. Like a rebellion kind of stage. Oh, yes. I mean, I I uh, found a, and I, I thought it was identity. That was back during the disco days. So I was the John Travolta of my time, you know, doing all the staying alive, going to disco techs and stuff like that. I could see you doing a, a John Travolta <laughs> dance. I still have my, my polyester clothes in the closet. And my extra starched, yeah, three inch heels. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going, why am I hanging on to these things? You know, throw those things away. You know, I can't fit in them anymore. What am I trying to do? I may even go home today. I may, may just go throw them away. Who knows? But anyway, I was still seeking God, trying to find God. And those, you know, I, I didn't, didn't know Jesus in my Catholic, my Catholic days, but I wanted, you know, I didn't even know I wanted to know him yet. So, what happened was this, March 24th, 1979, I wanted to end my life because I said, this is, the world's not worth living. 
Why do I even want to be here? Everybody, oh, I did for, forgot to mention, and as my growing up, my brother was older, my sister was younger. My was a little chubby kid that, that would never make, make it in life. You know, I was always a kid who wasn't really smart, um, probably could dig a good ditch for a living. <laughs> you know, one of those, uh, I guess what they call those blue-collar workers. That what it is? I think it's not even that color. Yeah, it's, it's blue-collar. It then is. you got white-collar, and then you got blue-collar, which is the ones who work off the leg of the lamb. There you go. Well, I don't know, but, I, you know, I wasn't given any th- hope, hope, remember that, in my life uh, as far as getting it. My brother went to Texas Tech. My sister went to, I think it was, uh, uh, she went to junior college, and then she went to college, and she became a physical therapist. My brother became insane. Uh, that's true. I'm not laughing. And because um, he was so smart, and I just, because I was always told I wasn't too smart, I just ended up getting pushing a broom or something like that. So March 24, 1979, I said, forget this life. I don't want it anymore. I'm going to end it. And I had a, I had a gun, <laughs> and I was going to just end it right that night. And just so happens my mother walks in, caught me, and she just became a Christian probably within less than a year. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I don't want this life anymore. I'm ending it. And she started started to tell me about Jesus and all the wonderful things that he has done for her and delivered her from alcohol and delivered her from clubs and bars and all kinds of, you know, things that were, you know, sin in her life. And she said, it's wonderful. And you're my son. You're my promise. God has promised you to me that you are going to be saved. And I got changed immediately that night just from those words of my mom. Amen. And so what happened is I had a vision of a eagle. I had a vision of the Liberty Bell. Liberty Bell, of course, you know, you know is liberty. I mean, God was giving me liberty. And the eagle, the eagle flies over storms and, and is protect, you know, to, he can weather any kind of storm because he can fly up and high over it. So when I didn't know what visions were or anything like that. But anyway, it meant something to me on that night. So the next day, I accepted. So that night, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I said, "What do I do now, Mom? You go to church." And I said, "Well, where's the church? Was well, the one across the street? It's a Holy Roller Church. It's Beverly Hills Baptist Church. Uh, you never been in a church like that, have you?" Hmm. No, Mom, I haven't. <laughs> I said, "Well, they raise their hands and they speak in different languages." And I said, "You know what, Mom? I want this that Jesus has for me. I don't care where it's at." You should point me in the direction. I'll be there in the morning. So I opened the gates of that place, and then I ran down to the altar. No matter what, what I was seeing on the left and right, I gave my heart to Jesus. So that's, that's basically where I started. God said, Byron, you can do all things through me. You can be, become president if you wanted to. I said, I want to. But you can do all things through me. Don't let your past and the lies of the devil affect your future. And so from that day forth, I became successful, successful, successful in everything I did and touched. Amen. Yeah. So, you know, that, that is awesome. You know, I, I see the life that you were living. You lived in the life of Christ of Christian uh, lifestyle with your grandparents. And then you had to turn around and live that lifestyle with your mom 
with the drugs, with the the guns, the mm-hmm. the violence. Because uh, Oak Cliff was pretty bad. It wasn't that bad back then. You know, it was pretty bad when I was growing up. Um, seeing that, you had that that feel on your, your don't know where to go, and it's very crucial that you have a strong um, strong person of Christ, strong religious person to to keep you grounded keep you leveled because you live you live in that area it's kind of hard not to be swept away in that lifestyle and that like like you you spoke before like the uh the rock and roll lifestyle going through Mm -hmm. high school uh you're a a sports um you know you're into sports rock and roll and yeah and just doing the disco john travolta stuff Mm -hmm. like that um you know it's typical rebellion years we all been through it um i see a lot of your your story uh it reflects it kind of reflects mine because my mother too uh i never really i never knew my father back in when i was young my mother was into drugs and and um doing her own thing she was young uh i was stuck either being in that lifestyle or staying in a more stable place so with my grandparents. Yeah, there you go. So I live with my grandparents. So I'm listening to your story, you know, it's sounding real similar to me and you know, and I believe the listeners are listening too. They're they're getting bites of this and you know, I lived that life. I lived mm-hmm. this. We're we're not we're not at the end of his story. I just wanted to elaborate his life and how it how I'm hearing hearing his uh his story of childhood and how much that can relate to my own childhood, just like um, it's it's relating to to yours. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, when you when you were at that that feel like you're the hopelessness where you had to let go, you felt like you had to let go of life, and you were feeling like you were worthless and all that. The enemy was like pushing down the mm-hmm. weight down on you. Um, Anything that went bad went bad that that week for me yeah everything everything you imagine and that's what the enemy does it it just it finds you when you're weak at your weakest and you know what we're just going to pile more stuff on his back we're going to see how far we could take him we're going to see how far byron will take and then god intervened through your mother Mm -hmm. and that's the awesome thing just in time you know god is good all the time and 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 it just it just comes to show you because my mother too had put down the drinks, had put down the drugs. Uh, she's seeing another life through through Jesus, and it's a it's it it comes to a story where you can't just write off somebody because of what they've done, mm-hmm. because you know, as Jesus said, uh, they they know not what they do. It's just we do not know what we do because we're not paying attention to what he says in the Bible to do. We're doing it on our own. We're, we're veering on our own. He gave us free will to do, to do what we have to do. Mm-hmm. But with that free will comes a lot of, a lot of bumps, a lot of, a lot of streets, um, with potholes in it and veering off to the left because he saw like, Ooh, look pretty lights. Let's mm-hmm. go this way. And it just, to me, it just shows what, what I'm talking about. Your 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 mom saving you is is how good God is and how good, um, 
when when he goes into your heart how he want uh how he spreads it out to you and wants to protect everybody because he loves everyone yeah so i'd be burning in hell right now if it wasn't for that mom of mine i love her so much passed away in 2020 in march so uh yeah so i'll see her again someday can't wait yeah but not not too soon because no, no, we, no, ju- no. we just we just got you back to 100 percent. you still got work to do yeah so so i i'm been saved for 43 years since 1979 and uh i've been in the ministry a lot of those years in in a music ministry i was in a band called ladder rain and we traveled every every weekend for 12 years you know we we played all over the place wrote our own music and a ministered god has uh showed me that showed me that one of my calling is ministering to people and praying for people almost uh evangelistic type of of ministry because that's where i i, I guess where god has showed me where the answer to healing, okay? I just put it that way. I know God's healed. Without a doubt, he heals. I know he heals instantly. Matter of fact, there was a time um, when I used to t- talk to priests, uh, not priests, uh, to pastors at churches that we used to go minister at. And I would say, hey, I believe God. I believe I can raise the dead through the power of the resurrection, through what the authority that Jesus has given me. If something happens to you and you fall over, if you're getting up in your A, I'm just playing with them. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to bring you back, or do you want to go on to glory? And you know what? They would actually think about it. And they would go, oh, I don't know. Hmm. I'll let you know. <laughs> you know when the time comes. <laughs> yeah. You know, so so that's really, to me, when I started talking to people about, about you know, raising the dead and healing, I said, God, show me. Show me Show me healing. Show me, the, you know, people coming up from the, from the dead. I want to see what's going on here. And in my early Christian days, uh, when I first got saved, maybe a year, um, we had a, a cousin of my wife's put a gun to his head and blow his brains out, basically. And he was in Borger, Texas, and I'll make this real short, is that I was such a young Christian, I probably knew two scriptures, probably it. You know, probably, and uh, and I I knew that in the Bible somewhere it says that you can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. So I said, Donna, get on Southwest Airlines. This was like 1983. You know, we jumped on a plane with the Borger tickets, rent a car, and we were already married. And uh, I went to uh, Jeff. It was, his name was Jeff Red. Uh, went to his bed. His head is swollen. You know, don't give him much time to live. I said, in the name of Jesus, rise up out of this bed. You are healed. The resurrection power, I speak that over you because God has given me the authority. And uh, what do you think happened? Did he get up miraculously, or did what? What happened? He came uh, the next day too, I believe. Or, uh, and uh, he walked out of there in about six days. I think it was in there total wow. seven days. Hallelujah! Praise the yeah. Lord! Can Praise. you imagine that? And That's- I said, you know, this is great. I love this. I love knowing Jesus and, and, and experience the power that he has. And so he lived for a very, very long time after that, you know. Um, and then there was another cousin that was dying of uh, lupus. And I believe that's a blood disease. Is what yeah. it is. And uh, he was actually traveling in a trailer because he had to go from doctor to doctor, already used all his money up, I guess, on doctors. And the doctor gave him probably less than six months to live. Went over there, laid his hands on him, and uh, 
I believe his name, name was Rusty. Rusty, and, and uh, I said, in the name of Jesus, Rusty, may that blood be made new. New blood, your, your organs to, to start pumping new blood, perfect blood, disease, leave in the name of Jesus. Body be in line with the word of God. And uh, what do you think happened there? And it was instantly. He was healed instantly. Wow. He went to the doctor, I think, a couple of days later. He said, you don't have it anymore. What's happened? And so, so, uh, so I have seen this. I, have seen, I haven't seen people raised from the dead yet. That's the next thing on. But, you know, I guess if I could look at myself, if I was there when it happened to me, I would have said, well, there it is. Yeah, and, <laughs> and when we get, uh, get to that, I, I can actually, since I was a witness to what had happened there, I can actually describe, um, well, not to, not to the gory aspect, but to the how the Holy Spirit was was there. I can mm-hmm. I can uh, I can pro uh, was that protest? No, to te- uh, testify. There we go. Testify. That is the word. Testify. Testify. But uh, so it's it's miraculous, and just like that song, there's power in the name of Jesus. Yes. And you say His name, and and the de- the demons they they cower, they, they run, run away because they run. Can't stand it. They they know who Jesus is, and they know to fear Him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it. I've seen miracles happen all the time. And my friend and I, we were talking about miracles, mm-hmm. and they're thinking miracles as turning water into wine and walking on water, and you know the abundance of fish on the boat that mm-hmm. you know nobody can fit in the boat. Um, they're talking about those miracles. But people forget about the tiny miracles. What about the person that was so addicted to drugs to a point where they lose their family, they lose their jobs, they lose their mm-hmm. finances to turn around because God speaks to them in a dream. Mm-hmm. And I can actually testify to that because I used to be an alcoholic. Wow. I was an alcoholic when my... Um, my second wife, um, her and I, we left and she took my daughter away. I was in a d- dark place, a de- mm. depressing place. I drank myself cause that's all I knew. Cause I'm, that's what my mom did. Uh, and that's what I did. And I can actually say it was a miracle because after I drank that last bottle of tequila and mm. I was sick, throwing up and I, and I was just crying out for Lord to come and take me away from all this pain and all that he had talked to me and told me you don't need another sip and you don't need this this is not your love this is not your this is not what's going to keep you happy this is not what's going to make you complete Mm -hmm. what you need is you need to come to me and then that next day i went to uh living waters church in grand prairie okay and uh, that right there is a miracle. You, Amen. People don't people don't recognize that as a miracle. So just oh well, they just changed their mind. You know, you can have a hardened criminal in prison that was a drug dealer, a sex worker, or something like that 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 dealt with the world, the mm-hmm. the pleasures of the world, turn around a, a complete one eighty, and and go and fall to to Jesus's feet. And mm-hmm. said, "I do not want this anymore. I'm tired of. Th- I've seen, I've seen that. 
that miracles. I've seen miracles where a a family was told they will never have a child. Mm-hmm. You'll never have a child. Um, nine months later, there you they, go. They have a baby. <laughs> they're they're over there wishing. Oh, why couldn't the baby be older? You Glory. know, the sleepless nights. But it's it's happy sleepless sleepless nights, and um, you just see that. And people are not. Uh, yeah, there there is like the miracle with you. You have so many miracles in your life. I've I've heard so many miracles that that you had in your life. Um, you know, which we'll be talking here in a few minutes about the one that's come that's a year anniversary today. Right. Um, but people just don't don't um, the people that are listening to me don't turn around from any small thing that happens because. Any of the, anything that can happen that can make your life more fulfilling and more hungry and thirsty for the Lord and the Lord shines upon you is a miracle in itself. Every time you wake up, you think, Lord, hey, thank you for waking me up because it is a miracle for me to be awake. I could have died while I was asleep. I could have died going to my my uh, to work. Mm-hmm. I can I you know things could have happened. Thank you, Lord, for this miracle of life you've given me and for the miracle of my wife being awake Protecting and, you, and yeah. for my my children to be up and not sick and not not um, bedridden, that they're they're up and they're fussy, but they're here <laughs> and they're alive. And that that and that right there is a miracle to thank every day. Yeah, it gives you hope. Yes, absolutely. So. But um, I, I just, I, I heard that and I like, I had to talk about it because I felt like somebody needed to hear about miracles and about how miracles can happen to anybody. And they ha- they're happening all the time. God is good. God is creating miracles in front of your eyes. You just have to, you have to get your mindset and your heart set to let God in so you can actually see those miracles and say, you know what? That was God. Mm-hmm. You know, I got this job. I got a raise because God had put it in the mind saying, I'm worthy of a raise, you know, or I got a brand new car. I didn't think I could ever get a good car. Mm-hmm. And that's God, God provided me with what I need, not what I, what I, you know, in abundance, what like to make it an addiction but it's something that I need and God will provide, provide food, provide shelter, provide transportation, things like that. God will in his time. Mm-hmm. So don't get mad at the, you're praying and saying, please, God, I need, I need a million dollars, please. He'll give you a million dollars, but it's down through the time of you putting forth your hard <laughs> work hours. So, but, uh, but talking um, about your life, um, we're we're getting close to the um, uh, to what uh, the topic of the st- discussion. Uh, before what had happened a year ago, you had a couple of accidents as well, right? I had a brain bleed in, in twenty fifteen at work on the phone with a customer, and all of a sudden a severe headache happened, and I started walking the halls of the <laughs> of the building where I worked. And I was just looking for my car keys, and I was going to go take an Advil and go home because it was just very painful. And the guy, uh, one of my buddies saw me. He says, what's wrong with you? You don't look look too hot. 
I said, I'm fine. I'm just going to take, get my car keys and, and, you know, take an Advil or something like that. And he said, uh, no, give me your keys right now. Cause we're going to emergency. I don't know what he saw, but it was really bad. It must be really freaking him out. So it, Baylor was only like, uh, this is in Las Colinas, only a, a few blocks away. Went there, pulled me in, did a CAT scan and said, hey, your head. Is somebody hitting your head with a baseball bat? Did you fall downstairs something? Did you get a lot of blood on your head? It's, it's squeezing your brain from the right side of your head to the left side of your head. And, uh, you know, we need to do something because you're going to die. And so they called my wife. She's frantic. She gets there and, uh, you know, to be with me. And all of a sudden, I'm being put in an ambulance going straight to Charlton uh, Methodist uh, Central over in Oak Cliff. And the reason why they're doing it so fast is because the, the bleed, the, I was bleeding so bad that it, it j- my body can only take so much pressure. They had to get my head cut open. And so what they said, um, I went in for surgery, and when I got to the, uh, I just speed this up. I was in the operating room, okay? I'm going, look at all this shiny stuff. And it was very cold in there, and they throw a, and those warm blankets on you to keep you warm. And I'm going, God. Is this the last thing I'm going to see before I die? These instruments, this big light, and maybe a doctor coming in and out here every now and then. When, when are they going to do something to me? You know, I was so pumped with morphine right then. I wasn't really hurting too bad. And then all of a sudden, Johnny, I started trembling. God started came into that room. And I, I, I think if, if the doctor would have came in, he thought I was having uh, some kind of seizure or something. But I wasn't. I was trembling because his presence was in that room. And I said to myself, Byron, you're about to see Jesus. And I started trembling uncontrollably. I started confessing. I started going through the sinner's prayer just to make sure. I said, I'm going to go see Jesus. I better clean myself up, put a tie on, you know. Make, go through, you know, I, I was living a righteous life, but I want to make sure everything, everything. Make sure all the T's are yes. crossed and the I's are dotted. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to see Jesus. He's coming. I'm going. And I wake up in recovery. I'm going, but it was real. God was in there. God was in the room with me. I know what it's like seconds before you see Jesus, but he wanted me to stay here. So I came in recovery. Guess what happened? All the prayers, they have already cut half my head, my skull off. Okay. They said, you should be dead. That's a nine. I said, nine, nine centimeters. Uh, They're saying, if your brain is squished, like you see, you're looking at the center of my forehead, nine centimeters over here. Wow. That was the end of my brain. The rest of it was all empty. It's like just taking a sponge and squishing it about halfway. They said, That's, that will kill you. So everybody's looking at me. He's the nine. He's the nine. He's the nine. He came through. It's, just, it's because I had a lot of prayer for me, and I, uh, and I was healed. And so what happened really is that uh, – they couldn't find a bleed. God already healed that. They just, they just uh, emptied the blood out, and the scab or the, uh, I guess the the clot. The clot. It was yeah. about as big as my hand, on one side. And was then, it in the carotid artery? The no, it was this whole side of my head. Is this as if I bled and laid down on my right side? Oh, okay. And it all puddled right just, there. Yeah. And so, and it, and the pressure was squeezing my brain into a little bitty one. I guess it wasn't too big in the first place. So, <laughs> 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 so, so anyway, I mean, 
Uh, that was the first healing. And, and all the doctors after that, they did studies on me. They had doctors come in going, yeah, he's the guy. That's the guy. We don't know what happened, but man, it, there's no bleed. He stopped bleeding. His brain was squished, and now it's not. We don't know what's wrong. That, I'm serious. We had doctors and all these pre-med students come into my room while I was you know, recovering and all that stuff. So that happened to me in 2015, and I re- totally, completely healed of that, okay? And then in 2021, uh, you know, was another, I guess, you know, life-threatening. <laughs> yeah. So that right there was a normal day. Think of think about going to church or something and, and helping around the church on a Saturday morning and never coming home until, mon- until a month later. Yeah, uh, let's hold off on that for just a second. We're going to get to my commercial, and then we'll get to this because this right here needs – actually, it needs a whole show to itself. Uh, so hold on one moment while um, Coffin It Shop takes over. You ever wonder why a guy would promote a woman's clothing called Confidence Shop? Because Devonair Gentleman isn't here yet. But if you're a lady – and I know you're a lady, and you want to look like a million dollars, please come and see the nice ladies at Confidence Shop. Tell them Johnny sent you, and Trudy will find that right look to make anybody's head turn around. They are located in Waxahachie, but they have a Facebook page called Confidence Shop. Thanks, Confidence Shop, for giving my wife a reason to make her closet overflow with great clothes. All right, that was with Trudy at Confident Shop. So if you want your Confident Shop needs, you need to be confident, you know, even though you should be confident if you're a Christian. But if you need confidence in what you wear, go to Trudy's Confident Shop. All right, so here's here's where we're at. Uh, it was a bright and sunny Saturday, and it was a church clean day. Uh, we were doing stuff around, around the church outside. Uh, I was actually pulling weeds out from there when, um, when we were working. Um, so I didn't, I, I can reiterate, I can tell you what mm-hmm. had happened after you tell what had happened in the beginning. I, like I said, I won't go too far into the grotesque because I've seen it. I've yeah. seen what happened firsthand. I've seen what you look like. Um, I can honestly say I was scared. I was scared. I was, uh, really scared for you because, you know, you hate seeing your brother of Christ, your brother laying there on the floor. Mm -hmm. So, uh, when, when this happened, uh, I was doing, I was pulling weeds and, and I guess y'all were taking a break and trying out a, a motorcycle. Yeah. So one of the guys at the church had a motorcycle, wasn't brand new, but you know, he knows I have a Harley. Hey, Byron, come in right. Drive this. I think you would really like it. And I said, nah, God, you know, I don't have my helmet with me and stuff like that. I don't feel comfortable. And, and you know, and I love this guy. And I said, okay, I'll go ahead and take it down. You know, we went at, just outside of the parking lot and then in again. And then I, that's all I remember. <laughs> that's it. You know, I was just going. And then I woke up uh, five days later in the hospital. Okay. I mean, I have – what people have told me what happened. And, uh, but for me to, to honestly tell you, I remember, I don't, I think God just kind of put me into a, you know, into a coma just so I wouldn't know all this stuff. Well, you know, 
you know, that's probably good too. Cause I would hate to relive that incident over and over and over again in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what I know is I heard a big crash. I didn't see you, uh, doing your, uh, Willie. It looked mm-hmm. like, um, uh, for what I heard, they said you were trying to stop, but I guess you accidentally hit the gas mm-hmm. and you just kept going. That'll do it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I was I was with Marcos, another brother of Christ. Uh, we we ran. We heard that big, and we heard somebody screaming out your name. Uh, we ran, and I saw the motorcycle, um, and I saw the bus that you hit. Mm-hmm. I didn't see you at the moment. I saw the motorcycle. It was split in half. Whoa! It was split in half. You saw the uh, the front part, the tire, the mm-hmm. handlebars, and all that was actually in front of the bus. While the what? other side, uh, the the back part was behind the back wheel, and there was there was um, oil and fluid everywhere, and it hit with such a a force that you actually um, popped the tires on on the um, bus. Man, and I think uh, if I can recall, there was a a dent or a cut on the. Um, on the, on the bus itself the metal part right mm-hmm. by the wheel well and you know that the buses are pretty strong that's yes. strong metal thick metal so uh you when i heard it, i heard the sound it sounded like a a like like a, a ton of bricks falling onto the ground mm-hmm. and when we saw we ran out i saw john hovering i couldn't still couldn't see you i saw john hovering and I seen a, a crowd of people. I saw Brother Brett, and um, I saw uh, Josh. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw everybody just hovering around, and you were right there. And then I finally saw you, mm-hmm. and I looked, and you were you were lifeless. There was nothing. There there was no sign that you were still with us. Mm-hmm. And um, John was over there just. just just praying to you had his hands on your back. You were, you were laying down on your stomach. Really? Um, John had his hands on you and he was praying and said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Je-. he was crying. He's seen tears falling down from his eyes. I was looking around. I, I looked at our buddy, the one that had a motorcycle. And I said, uh, you okay? You okay? Everything okay? And he goes, I'm not worried about my bike. My bike is, my friend is right there. He's right there laying in there, and it's my fault. It's my fault. Mm. Um, and, I, and I said, it's not your fault. Uh, it, it's an accident. It happened. Um, right when I was talking to him about it, I heard your, you going, uh, you know, making a, a, mm-hmm. a grunt. And I'm looking around. I was like, I thought, he, I thought this man was gone. Mm-hmm. And, and you were up, and... It looked like you were trying to get up yourself. You're trying, I'm ready to get up. I need to get up. I need to get up. And John was holding you down. And it took John. Man. And it took, uh, I forgot who else was over there, trying to hold you down because mm-hmm. your leg was mangled. Mm-hmm. It was mangled. And you couldn't recognize it. You saw a pair of pants. It, it just looked like it, you know, I couldn't, I don't really want to go into it because I don't want to pay, paint a picture mm-hmm. of what it was because seeing you walking around and all that, you know, I don't want really, I I can't, it boggles my mind to see what happened, but we're, we're not there yet. Um, so we were, me and my brothers, we, we, we went into a circle 
And we were praying because Brett said, let's pray now. Let's pray now. We were all holding together and we were praying, praying for you. And uh, we were saying, you know, Jesus, please, please protect our brother, protect our brother. And, and um, you were, your voice was getting stronger. You wanted to go, you wanted to get up. (laughs) I can't imagine. You can't keep a, can't keep a good man down, you know, and you wanted to get up and the, the ambulance came uh they loaded you up and that's pretty much the the last that mm-hmm. i knew about anything that happened but once you were you were gone uh we surveyed the area and make sure there was nothing else that you might have left your mm-hmm. cell phone or your wallet or something and right there where you were at mm-hmm. believe it, it it was a puddle of blood mm-hmm. and no man um without the without the lord blessing you would have survived that all that blood being on there that's what i'm told and um we just it, it, we were worried it was touch and go um i've i've always asked about you and checking checking up mm-hmm. on you but watching seeing that happen firsthand seeing a friend that you care about mm-hmm. that you love your brother right there the aftermath of what happened and then I'm over here. We're talking about a, a, a year later. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just so, I have so much joy in my life, not because of the accident, but what I received afterwards, just seeing the healing that God has. It's so real and what he's done for me. You know, I mean, I don't remember uh, going to the hospital or anything like that. I, I can tell you my, what my wife said because she was right there the whole time. And she said the blood pressure was dropping uh, really bad. And then they kept putting bag after bag after bag of blood, and they could not get it. Get I, My body was keep rejecting them. They kept on bleeding out somewhere. So, <clears throat> and then she saw my blood pressure drop down to 50 over 25 or something like that, and she started screaming. This is what she tells me. I wasn't alive. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't conscious, okay? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, so it was really, really bad. They had a trauma team trying to stop the bleeding, and uh, they finally was able to do that on the second try when they went in, took me in. And, um, and then I woke up, like I said, five days later. I have little tiny memories that I kind of like a really hazy thing uh, of them putting the, uh, I guess, the respirator down my nose, the little tube. Yeah. Because my mouth was wired shut. They had to do that because my jaws were busted. And uh, that was very painful. And I think the other thing, I think that was it. Well, yeah, when they put the the respirator down my nose, uh, I think I came to for 15 seconds and then out. They they induced a, um, uh, or they paralyzed me is what they did. And so I guess it's kind of like a coma. So they can put me in the MRI and find out all that was broken and, and that sort of thing. But my left leg was in bad, bad shape. I had screws sticking out of the... Uh, bone where they trying to put it back together you ever seen that where the, somebody's leg and they have screws sticking out of the top of it with a yeah, bar yeah I've, yeah I've seen it yeah yeah so they they did that trying to keep it together so they had to do several operations uh, on my femur on my tibia on my kneecap that was all my, my skin was completely ripped off with kneecap it was it was really bad i i'd lost a lot of skin on my leg and so they were very concerned about that. That's why I didn't get it cast because they had to keep cleaning it. And then uh, my, my left arm was broken really bad, and uh, they had to put a plate in it, an 8-inch plate, 8 inches long and about, oh, maybe 2 inches wide. 
you know, because it was just crushed. My left arm, you can see a scar, you know. Yeah, you could barely see that scar. It looks like it, it's like a five-year scar. It don't look like a year. I know. God is so good. And so let me just kind of – so they put – I was just kind of going from, from what I heard. So I wake up in, in ICU, mm-hmm. okay, here about four or five days later. Haven't eaten, haven't drank, nothing, not even water. And, uh, Mo, I was – I was wanting just a little, a little suck of water on one of those sponges they put in your mouth. Oh, that was so wonderful. So, anyway, I come to, and I didn't realize what happened. Didn't realize it. I have these little, these little bitty, um, you know, dreams of somebody saying, "You're, you're in an accident, and you're going to be okay." And that's it, you know. And then I, maybe it might have been the ambulance driver or something like that. So I'm, I'm coming to, but I'm going to tell you something. Um, I had so much peace over me. It was unbelievable. I was not scared. And, and I know why. I said, because I'm a child of God. I was a child of God before the accident. Why it happened, I don't know. I just know, I, I just know that God can heal me, and I can walk out of here whole. And then this will be a testimony for those who are, who are struggling in their beliefs of healing in their bodies. So, so when we were in ICU, um, of course, I'm still neck brace, my arm and legs all banded, um, is all like splinted and everything. I, I did have a cast on my left, left hand at that time. And, uh, and I felt like I had no strength in my body. Remember, I've been laying there for five days, no food, no drink, no nothing. And I started seeing uh, images, the vision that God was giving me in ICU. And I was looking at it and I was going, there was, this, there was a box. There really was a box on the left and right side of the television on the floor. But I was seeing this dust, this pink-looking red dust all going in an order, going out this, the door. I was going, that's kind of weird. I thought maybe this is a COVID thing where they're trying to purify the air or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. wasn't trying to pay a whole lot of attention to it. But then when I saw the faces, I saw faces. I saw faces of dead people. Uh, that we're going to hell. Uh, that's what God told me. You know, I kept on seeing these uh, dis- distorted faces. Probably, if, if, if I can put a picture, uh, there would be like one, two, three, four, five, six, all in a row, just kind of floating there, and they were changing every now and then. And, you know, it, I wasn't scared at all. I, I, I knew God was telling me something. I even told my wife, I said, Don, did you see that over there? And, of course, my mouth was like, yes, sir, something over <laughs> <laughs> you know, my my mouth was wired shut, and she said, "I don't see it." I said, "Ask the nurse if she sees it." She said, "I don't see it." Is he hallucinating? And well, no. If he's talking to you that clear, he's not hallucinating. So I said, "God, show me what's going on here." He didn't tell me right then and there. We changed rooms. Oh, let me let me kind of back up. If if you've ever been uh, in ICU on the night shift, the night shift, scary thing. Uh, they tried to, <laughs> they tried, I'm laying there. And of course, my wife only can stay there till about 8 p.m. because of COVID, only one person. So I'm in the night shift, all bound up and everything and hooked up with everything you can imagine, heart, you know, you can hear my heart beating, all that stuff, oxygen and all that. And then all of a sudden, I'm in ICU and the night shift wants my bed. Yeah, they're saying, hey, we need his bed. We got some other people coming in. We'll put him on that bed. 
the bed they were going to put me in, it was in bad shape. Wow. <laughs> so I was just going, I just wanted to mention this real, real quick. I'm going, wow, that was, that, I was concerned, but I knew God was in control. So they put me on that bed. I mean, they, they almost damaged me, put, slide me over. And then somebody came in and saved me that night and said, you get him back on that bed. That's not, that's not his bed or this bed is not our bed or whatever it is. But anyway, this person came in, took authority, got me back together again. I was just going, this is, this is not good. Because if my wife was there, she would have been all over him. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that because that was uh, not a scary point, but a concerning point of, you know, of this is, is that I'm in a hospital. That was a Methodist, by the way. And so anyway, from the next morning, they moved me to a room. When I finally got out, out of ICU after about seven days, um, and then I started seeing those faces again, and I started seeing the dust again. Okay, all right. One room I can imagine is something in the air, but going to a, a different floor in a different room, and I'm seeing the same thing again. I said, God, what is this? What am I seeing? He said, Byron, he said, I, I'm going to tell you what this is, and I want to make sure that you go out and, and tell my people. Go tell the church. Go tell people you know. Go tell lost people. You know, tell people they they they're going to go to hell if they don't straighten up. If they don't accept him as Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. So what 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 he was telling me? He said those faces are real faces of people that that present time that you're are, that you're looking at them. They're going to hell. I said, God, why don't you stop them? He said, I tried to. I can't I can't make up their minds for them. I can, I can, you know, send people to minister to them, people to, um, you know, consult with them, people to love them. But at the end of the day, they got to make up their own mind, their own decision. So I'm going, oh, that's bad. He says, well, Byron, what you're seeing is this. Also, you shouldn't be seeing people going to hell right now. He says, he says, for decades I have blessed the church, and I can, I can. Uh, remember this because I have been around a while. I have blessed the church. I've grown the church. There have been mega churches. There have been mega ministries. We're all over the world. They're from one end to the other. We're going in, into all these communist countries, all these countries that don't, uh, you know, let you have Bibles. He said, we got everything. You've got everything you need from us. Why are these people still going to hell from their deathbed in a hospital? Because that's usually the last place you're at before you die in a hospital. He says, you're not doing a good enough job. We have got to go out there to the streets, and we've got to get out there and find the lost. And after you find the lost, disciple the lost. After you disciple them, make sure that you, are, that, that you have that, that circle of people. Each, everybody needs to have the circle of people that are, that are spiritually strong and know the word of God and can raise the dead. Okay, And I have that, I have that circle around me. So he's saying, if you can stop this before they get here, you wouldn't be seeing this. He said, you'd be seeing joy. You'd be seeing people leaving this place and, and joy, and joy as they enter, as a transition from this world to the next, to be with Jesus. You would not be seeing this at all. Tell the people, we've got to get out there. We've got to get to the streets. We've got to talk to people. We, you know, it's not just, we can't just do all of our communication on, on social media. And right now, I'm sure everybody listening knows who I'm talking about. 
there's got to be that person in your life that you haven't talked to in a while just because you got tired of putting up with their negativeness uh, about your faith. You need, to keep, you need to keep going after them because they, it is so important that they know their future for that decision. And, and there's another thing. I would say, for me, hell, brimstone fire, agony, gnashing of teeth and all that, that's horrible. But you know what the worst one is for me? The absence of God. Think about it. Eternity and the absence of God. You could put me in a, in a, in a, in a 10 by 10 for eternity, but it, without the, with the absence of God, it's hell, pure hell. You know, I don't, I don't want to see anybody live that way. I don't want to see anybody, I mean, go that direction just because. And Jesus will let us know who those people are. He would say, I, 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 I brought this person to you, and I brought that person to you, and, and, and you met this person, and you were in this situation, but you did not share Jesus. You did not share the, the gospel with them, and you were their last hope because they're going to walk out and get hit by a bus, end up in a hospital, and Byron's going to see their face floating in the air, you know, because you, were, you, you gave up too soon on them. I did not give up on you. Why are you giving up on them? So that was the visions that I was seeing. So I came after that. Every time a scripture, you know, like my, my wife would read a scripture to me or I'd see something on TV, I'd start just bawling. I was going, you know, I was bawling. I was bawling for joy, joy for my salvation. Because, Johnny, if it was a different circumstance and it wasn't a church and it was a Walmart parking lot and we we're a bunch of guys and I got on somebody's motorcycle and I didn't know Jesus and I hit the side of that bus and nobody was there to lay hands on me. I'd been one of them faces in agony. Think about it. God is so merciful to us and so good to us. He cares about us. He wants us to care about his sheep. Go out there and feed his sheep. Find the lost and feed the sheep. If we would do that as a church in the body, we would empty church, we would be emptying out hospitals. And or, like I said, when people leave this world, there'll be a joyous celebration. There'll be no more, oh, I, I hope he knew Jesus. Well, he better if you if if you if you're close enough right now to know that person's name, then you better make sure that you are the one to show them Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, you know, so here I am in a hospital. I have a broken femur, broken tibia, my kneecap. Here's another miracle real quick. My skin was ripped off. Okay. Those, I'm just look, showing you a piece about this big that, uh, I don't know. It's probably like hand. the size of a hand. Yeah, yeah. Hand with no skin. All right. It's all black and ugly. And, uh, the doctors are looking at it going, <laughs> Don't know. Uh, we may have to do skin grafts off of you. And I don't, from what I hear, that's not pretty. That's, that's pretty ugly. That's pretty painful. And so, you know, where I was going to say, let's just watch God replace that skin. If I had shorts on right now, you'd go, wow, that's a miracle. Because God replaced that skin. Amen. Didn't have to get a skin graft. Didn't have to do anything. He just put another piece on there, you know. And he did it very quickly. Um. So, the, you know, I was just watching Miracle. And so the thing is, 
what God has showed me, and I'll just kind of pull a scripture up here real quick. Um, uh, see if, hang on a second. So, God was showing me the order, I guess you might say. Okay, here it is. So, so here I am, a man of God, and I, I, I do that, and I say that uh, humbly, okay, with a humble heart. I try my best to live a righteous life. I, I know I'm the righteousness of, 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 Jesus, of God through Jesus Christ. I know who I am. I know what God has called me to do. I know the task he wants me to, see, see, to, to complete every day. Live for him. Live the day for him. Look for the lost. Feed the sheep. This is my life. I enjoy it. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything else. And so he knows. I, uh, you know, when Jesus says, greater works these he, or you, will do. You remember what he said? You, you know, when he was saying, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he or you, uh, will do also. So we're going to do the same works as Jesus. What's the works that he did? He raised Lazarus. He healed the blind. He healed the, the lame. So that's pretty obvious that we can do this. And what is this? You know, the, uh, and then he says, if any one of you are sick, let him call the elders of the church and let them pray for him. Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer and faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. I was raised up just through the word of God. So, you know, here I am uh, in the hospital going through rehab. I, was, I haven't been home yet. Still, uh, They moved me from Methodist to Baylor. And I know the scriptures. I know healing. I know that if we're going to do something unto God, we has to glorify God. Okay? So, if I go and lay hands on you and pray for you to fix your neck or, or whatever ill is, you know, whatever is wrong, it has to glorify God or else I'm doing it in vain. So a lot of times I'll tell people when I pray for them, praise God, glorify him right now. Give him the glory because thank him. Thank him for healing your body. So every time I was awake in the hospital, when I finally got a room, I woke up and I just Thank you, Jesus, for healing my body. Thank you for healing my legs, for healing my neck, for healing the tumor that's in my head, for the left arm that is still in the cast and has all these staples in it, and, and you know, all these things that, you know, that are damaged right now. Thank you for healing them. I vision myself. I have a, I will, I, endure, while I'm praying, I'm visioning myself running, playing golf, maybe a little basketball. I don't know. You know, just doing something that's, that's normal in life. I'm not thinking, I'm not listening to the doctors when the doctor says, you're not going to be able to bend your leg more than, I think he said it was 145 degrees, which is about like this. You know, if you, you know and it's, it's nothing at all. And I said, yes, I am. I'm going to be, be, be able to bend it like my right leg. It's all coming back. Then they say, well, you're never going to be able to play the guitar again, basically, or use this left hand like you're doing it now, like I'm doing it right now. So. I, I, as you, <laughs> you know, for everybody that's actually watching the video, there's a video. Now, it, you know, he it, when, um, when they're saying that he cannot move his hand, uh, he, he was um, moving around his hands, the fingers, like yeah. he did with the guitar, which is, uh, miraculous because he did 
fractured that whole arm mm -hmm. to a point where it was just like a mush of of flesh and bone. You can still see a bone sticking out right there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, doesn't make sense why I'm able to play the guitar or do things with his hand. But they, I mean, I couldn't even, when I first, when they first took the cast, I couldn't even touch my thumb to my finger. Okay. Like that. Yeah. So it's, everything's fine. Everything's back in order. I can, I can play the guitar. I can, you know, play golf and lay hands on the sick, you know, and they'll, they'll recover. So these are the things that the doctor was saying. And of course, um, when I was going through the MRI, they found a brain tumor. Um, and they were, they were concerned about it. And they were saying, well, you know, we need to let the rest of your body heal before we go and cutting in your head again. Because, you know, I was cut in 2015. And uh, so I'm just going, okay, just put it in the list of things that God has healed me of. And so as I went through therapy, and and I got healed, I said, Okay, let me back up. I accept my healing immediately. When, when the prayer of faith is prayed, healed. I do not question God. I vision myself completely healed. I do not listen to the negativeness of doctors. I do not let anybody come around me that, that says, oh, poor you. You'll be a cripple the rest of your life. Or, you know, hey, you know, you you. Be thankful that you're alive and you're in, in your cripple or whatever it is. You know, I don't accept any of that. Because God, if he's going to heal me, he's going to heal me all. He's going to heal it all. Not just, just you know, where, where I can finally limp around on a cane. Because I went uh, from the bed where I could not even roll over. I couldn't roll over. I had to lay on my back for, my goodness, two months, something like that. And, uh, and then when, so when I first got on my foot, cause I couldn't, I couldn't press on my left foot cause it was busted and they finally got me on a walker and I got to go 10 feet. I was really struggling. I praised God the entire time. I told those workers, I said, look at the, all the goodness that God is doing. This is what he wanted me to do. You want to talk about healing is that you give God the glory for everything. You don't back down. Don't back down. You keep. I don't care what it is. Is that that he said? Believe in his word. If you believe in his word, you'll believe in his word, right? And you won't back down. So anyway, the first time I got uh, in a walker, I was so excited. I said, and then and then the next time they got me out of bed to do it, I said, let's go all the way to the end of the wall, you know. And I said, praise God, this is awesome. And they would follow me in a wheelchair in case I collapse, and you know all the. Uh, lines that were hooked up in IVs, they had to take that with me. And then I went to the therapy at uh, Baylor downtown. And uh, then they took me over. And then those people right there were seeing me worshiping and praising God every time I got up, every time I moved a leg, every time I saw something new that was healed, that was that was improving, I was just going. And so I started witnessing to the nurses. And I said, look what Jesus can do. Look what he can do. Boy, let's release this in the hospital. Let's get all these people, you know, healed. And they would just look at me and then go, I'm a Christian too. You know, I said, well, you are. Well, let's pray together, you know. And then this other lady, she was a Catholic, but she says, I believe in miracles too. I said, well, absolutely. You know, let's, let's, put our, let's get together and let's pray for these people. And I said, there's a man across the hall. I just, nobody comes to see him. He's uh, always screaming, like, help me or something like that. 
we need to pray for him. So we started praying for certain people and praying for the nurses' families. It was it, yeah. it, it, it became something else uh, every day. And every day I went to therapy. Every day I improved, and I gave God the glory. Every time my leg went f- one f- went from uh, 145 percent to 30. 130 percent to 120 percent to 115 percent and it went to uh it was just unbelievable the way it started coming back together and then going to my orthopedic doctor who says you'll never you'll, you'll look like chester on gun smoke you know what not if you ever seen that yeah yeah for for the for the youth he had a little limp in his get up yeah there you go so anyway he was amazed that it's this and i'm going to see him again here in about a month or so of the of how that has healed up. And then the my neck doctor, my neurologist, when I saw him in November, and of course he was my tumor doctor too, he looked at me and he goes, I don't see anything wrong there. I said, of course you don't, because God has changed it. I don't care what he changed it. He changed it to a dollar bill in my head, you know. <laughs> but he changed it to something that was just a fleshy piece of fat that has no power, that doesn't grow, has no roots, has nothing. He said, that's just separates, you know, two halves of your brain. Oh, we all got stuff like that. So in other words, God turned that tumor that was life-threatening, I believe, to something that was, you know. Gristle. Yeah. It's gr- gristle. Maybe a piece of bacon or something. Like that. I don't know. So I said, I don't care what it is as long as it's not going to affect me, you know. So went there, uh, and then the last day of uh, at Baylor, all the nurses came down. We had a big, long line. I wish you could have saw it. You know, they're all following me, bringing flowers and, and prayers and well wishes and all that. And we were all uh, holding hands with the nurses, and they were crying, and we were crying, and we were so joyful, and saw, and they saw what God has done for me. Uh-huh. They said, the, you, it's so exciting to see somebody like you recover so fast because we see so many people die. Or so many people who, like, they've, they've been in a motorcycle wreck, and they broke their black their back, uh-huh. and they never recovered. They've always been a quadriplegic. Or somebody who lost their limb. He says, you're a miracle. We have never seen somebody, not just the fact that you healed so fast, it's just the fact your attitude. You won't believe what these people, t- how they talk to us because they're in so much pain and agony, and they're so frustrated about their, you know, their injuries and stuff like that. He says, you, you, you've came in through, you know, through, uh, um, through brilliant colors. How, how do you want to say it? You know, that, that you'd looked at this as if this is glory to God every step of the way. I said, absolutely. Because I know my Jesus. I know he would never do this to me, but what the devil meant for evil, he will turn around and make it good, and make it better than good. Hallelujah. Praise you know? the Lord. <laughs> so where are we now? Um, so then I'm at home for about another week. No, I'm another month. And, uh, boy, have you ever not had a shower for, uh, let me see, I think it was seven weeks? <laughs> I, I, yeah, after the uh, third day and not in the shower, I, no. I, I broke a record, seven weeks. Wow. Because of the open sores. You know, there were, I mean, the, the skin and all that. I couldn't get anything wet in all I, my arms. I could just vision you looking like pig pan with the dust yeah. flying everywhere. I was going, man, my hair. They do this dry Look. kind of a, a dry shampoo or whatever. It doesn't work. <clears throat> it's still it's still nappy, very nappy. Yeah. 
So I had a friend of mine who had, has a brand new one of those, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, John Houston homes. Uh-huh. And it was huge shower. I could get my walker in there. So he said, why don't you come over and shower off? So I got in there because I had to walk with my walker at the time. Got in there. Oh, that was <laughs> just unbelievably wonderful. You know, and just seeing all the other stuff fall. Like I never had to, didn't have to wear my arm brace anymore, my neck uh, brace. Finally, didn't have, the doctor said, I don't see anything wrong with your neck. You don't need that. Throw that thing away. Then the doctor says, your arm is fine. Get rid of that brace. And then, these, you know, and then I got rid of the walker. And then I, then, uh, then I had a cane. I kind of didn't want to get rid of the cane. It was cool looking, you know? Yeah, I seen you with that cane, a little <laughs> swab right there, like yeah. a, a debonair gentleman. Yeah, but I'm just going, you know, yeah, I don't want to leave the wrong, wrong impression about my healing. And he, God has healed me. So I said, okay, cane, you got to go now. You know, so what about music? Can I play? I'll just tell you this real quick. Is that I came, uh, um, I was in my, my war room. I have like a Barnuminium little room. It's nothing fancy. Don't want to say Barnuminium. It's just, you know, put together with a little air conditioner. So I'm in there praying to God. I said, God, I want to play guitar again. This is the first time I try to pick it up. This is after I've only been home for maybe a few days from the hospital. My son put the guitar in my hand. I couldn't even hold it. My hand would not close. Wow. And so I was just going, Jesus, Jesus. Heal my hand right now. I pray. I want. I'm. I'm. I want to worship you right now. You deserve the worship and the glory. And I played a C chord. I was going, wow. Got to be a song in heaven with just C, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. So I started playing around with C, and I did. I wrote a song. I wrote a song of C. It ended up being C and A and uh, no C and G and and uh, I think it was, yeah, it was E, E. So it was go C, A, I mean, uh, E, A. And C. Anyway, it became a really cool song. And I, I would have given it, I've got it on my phone, but, you know, we can let you listen to it later on. Well, you can always send it to me. Okay. I can edit it in. It it, it, it became a very strong menis, a song of menace that we could minister to people. Uh, the first song he gave me was Rise Up. I said, what it is, it's rise up, you man of God. Pick up your cross with me. And that's what I was talking about earlier about we're not getting out to the lost. We're not, we're not really putting ourselves in the shoes that Jesus wants us to be in. And, and I'm using myself as an example in the song is that I'm basically I'm looking down and seeing my cross at my side on the ground and your cross on the side. Because it says, pick up your cross and follow me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just, the song, God said, reach out to your brothers and sisters in Christ and just tell them, Let's help each other pick up our cross. Let's help each other, you know, with our walk. We need to. We need encouragement. So I wrote a really good song there, and then the next song was just singing to the Lord a new song, Devil is Defeated. That was another strong song. Then another one, it was just called uh, Holy Messiah, which is a worship song. Oh, it's such a— A, a love song? It was, it was a worship between me and God, between me and the Trinity, between me and Jesus. It was, it was just great. And uh, so I'm going to— uh, play those songs i think i only played in church once i think i can't remember i think you played one yeah but it really wasn't the yeah. true you know all it wasn't the finished it wasn't it wasn't the, the finished ones so my goal is to get out on the streets mm-hmm. 
and, and with the guitar and with the testimony and win the lost and feed the sheep. If you already know Jesus, praise God, let's grow. You're next. Now you go and, and save the lost. You know, we've got to have it. We've got to have it so we're constantly uh, discipling. Yes, and making disciples while yeah. you're discipling. Yeah, and, and making disciples. Because if you're just going to go out there and just get, tell them your testimony and all this good stuff that God does, and that person is not going to take um, his gift that God, Jesus has given him through the cross to another brother or sister and then stay with them so they understand what they accept. And I, what I mean is going out there and winning the lost. I can win lost all day long and just walk away. What good is that? They're just going to have to get found again because they'll, they'll end up getting lost again. <laughs> yeah. But another thing God has really put on my heart is revival. And it's going to be revival like we've never seen. There was revival in the 70s and 80s, the, the Shambok tents. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, so Is it those, you said the Shambok tents? Yeah, he said tent revivals. Okay. Tent meetings. Yeah. Uh, way back, you know, there was one in Oak Cliff. Uh, uh, there was another tent meeting with Keith Green. Uh, I think Donna went to that one. Have you heard of Keith Green? Yeah, I heard of okay. Keith. Okay. Yeah. So he's one of the Dino Plane Crash you know, back in the mid-'80s or something like that. And uh, wonderful songs that he's, he has written. So the songs that we're going to be producing now, I believe, out of Covenant Life, are going to be songs you never, you've never heard of. It's going to be a different... Uh, a different beat, a different message. And it's going to be a very strong message is what it is. And it's going to touch a lot of people because when we start worshiping God, we're going to start leaving the buildings. We're going to start going to the streets. I was seriously, as we were worshiping uh, Thursday night with Brett and we're practicing, we started going to high praise. Oh, my. it was so wonderful. And we were, you know, it was, I think we, it was like going 30, 45 minutes. I mean, there's like there wasn't a time limit. And I was like, you know, that cross right by the booth of the church where the, you know, it's sideways. That's all uh, lit up. At the media. Yeah. If you haven't been to Covenant Church, because I have a lot of people across the pond that listen, uh, I'm part of the media team. And, and when you come in from there, you'll see our media box. And then in front of our media box is this homemade cross that's kind of tilted. Mm-hmm. And it's illuminated. You can turn the light on, and it illuminates the the cross. It's really, really pretty when all the lights are out. It, it just shines up so nice. So, so my vision was, and I have a lot of visions. I, I was visioning as we were worshiping and going into high praise. And it was just guitar. It wasn't like a bunch of instruments so like that. We were just worshiping from our hearts. And I was looking at the cross on its side. And I was thinking of a song that I wrote. I said, I wonder if they get mad at me on Sunday while we're worshiping. If I go in and rip that thing out of the wall and start carrying it down the, you know, College Street and going straight downtown, you know, to the square and just start preaching Jesus to everyone, you know, and just pick up that cross and keep going. See how many people would follow me, and we would start a movement. That is, that is, that's what's in my heart, and that's what I see is going to happen. Something, something so crazy like that is going to happen. And, and, I'm, and, and I was telling Brett about this, and I said, you know, if I do that, you know, I'm going to have to probably have some tools because it's probably bolted to the wall, you know, yeah, and that sort of thing. But this is just what I'm visioning, okay? So I'm not going to go tear the booth up. Well, you know, Bone Ministry, right, that, that does uh, Wednesday service here, they mm-hmm. actually have a cross 
little cross statue. Mm-hmm. It's huge. And uh, I, I bet you can put some uh, training wheels on, yeah, on see, the back. Yeah, put a wheel and, on the back of it yeah. and take that one. So here's here's the catch. When God gives you these type of visions and you don't act upon them, guess what? You're going to see somebody else doing that, <laughs> you know, and they're going to enjoy the fruits of their labor and acting right there, you know, listening to God and responding to him quickly. But like I said, I don't think he wants me to rip that out of the wall. But what he's saying is let's get some brothers together. Let's pick up our crosses and let's hit the streets. Yes. Um, you know, that's interesting. When when people, you have to have faith. Uh, you have to have faith in the Lord. And doing that by showing your faith in the Lord, you got to step out into your uncomfortable zone. You got to mm-hmm. get out of the out of this building. You know, uh, as John keeps saying, we are the church. We're not the. This is just a building. Uh, this is any old building. It's got a frame. It's got walls. It's got doors. It's just a, it's just a building. It's not a church. It's a place of gathering. We can gather, but we are the church itself. And when you gather more than two, three. There's a church right there. You can be outside to the, uh, you can go to the mall. You can go to a coffee shop. You can go to in the middle of Walmart. I don't know many people go in the middle of Walmart to, to have Bible studies, but if they do, you know, more, more power to you. Praise the Lord. Go for it. Um, but you have to have that faith. You have to put forth that faith and, and faith is, is, is going without seeing, and, it's the substance physical. of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Yes. So you're hoping for it, but you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> and and through faith, uh, you start seeing, you start actually seeing mm-hmm. stuff manifest yes. in front of you because you're you're putting forth. It's it's like um, you're going to a uh, to a job, and they have a team builder program, and when they're when you said, okay, well, you're going to fall back and your team is going to grab you. You have to have enough faith and trust oh no. to go back yeah. and, and, and the people will catch you. And that's just a faith. Like, like you're, you got to walk into, um, unknown territories. You, you use your faith to, to, to guide you. I actually have a story. I got, um, in Arkansas, mm-hmm. uh, Little Rock. Which uh, people think, well, Arkansas is not that crime riddled. Well, you never been to North Little Rock. Uh, mm. That is a pretty crime riddled area. Um, I had a train ride from uh, Fort Worth uh, back to Arkansas because I lived there for a little bit. So, and this is what this is a story about faith. I had to walk because I couldn't. Nobody was around. The person that was supposed to pick me up never picked me up. Mm-mm. Um, so I had to walk from the train station in downtown Little Rock through the most, uh, revered criminal activity street there. It, it, it was, uh, people don't, don't walk down that street by themselves. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's been known for its crimes as far as gang activities for theft and all that. I walked from the beginning of that street to the end. With my head up, mm-hmm. I I was scared, but I put my faith in that God yeah. is going to protect me walking through there. And I was only bugged by one person, and he was asking me if I wanted drugs. I said, no, sir, yeah. I'm on my way. 
and he 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 walked away no problems i walked through there not a scratch on me not a nothing to be scared of because i walked with faith angels around you yes yes my last name means angel so (laughs) there you go i'm all through uh well as we can see the living miracle uh which is you, you know, you're, you're here right now. You're talking on the, you're, you're testifying about the miracle that happened to you. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a beautiful and awesome thing to see, to see, you know, uh, a year ago, you weren't, you weren't here for, for a second. You were gone and you came back like Lazarus came out of that, that pit. You came out. You came alive. You were alive. You were ready to walk when you were still. I tell you. You, you were, you were going. You proved the doctors wrong. You proved the, uh, the uh, ortho wrong. You mm-hmm. proved everybody wrong. Everybody yeah. had that that feel that this guy's not going to do. This guy's just going to be a lame person mm-hmm. in the side of of the of the room, just sitting there deteriorating, mm-hmm. wasting away. But you, you with the power of God proved them wrong saying no i rebuke that i i am going to walk the lord is going to heal all of me yes i am not going to be this 25 percent left of a man that that his wife is going to have to take care of him and mm-hmm. and do all this and just right away that i'm going to be that 100 percent man because god has me here for a reason that's right and i'm not going to just back away Come on. i'm going Mm-hmm. And and it's a beautiful thing to see because it's an inspiration. It's an inspiration to get closer to God. You know, uh, you know, God, you, you healed my brother. I'm going through some illnesses. My wife's going through. You know, people. You know, it it, it makes me want to get closer to God. It makes me want to to hunger more and more to to be around Him because you I've seen that miracle that happened, mm-hmm. and I'm like. My brother is alive today. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, praise the Lord that, that, and, and Thank thanking you. God every day that you're able to talk to your brother, able to be there for, you know. And when I saw you, that first time I saw you at the church, I gave you that big hug. Yeah. I was so happy. I was like, you know, they're saying, hey, Byron's going to be over here. I was like, are you sure? You know, mm-hmm. he's been hurt real bad. He's still sitting there. No, it was, it was just a couple of months. It wasn't yeah. even that long. And then, you, and then I saw you over there. You're smiling. I was actually. This has been one year, but actually, if you would have saw me th- three, four months ago, I don't look much different. No, I don't act much different. N- not at all. So not at all. I heal. God has healed me, and His promises are good. Don't question Him. He's got everything under control. Live for Him. Live a righteous life for Him. You can do it. It's not hard. It's wonderful. I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a it's a joy to serve to serve God. Once you've tasted what he has given you, you'll never go back again. You'll go, man, that was so good. And so for, for, the, for the ones that are out there and don't know Jesus, I just want to tell you, you don't know what you're missing. You really don't. Um, you know, we were all sinners at one time, but when we, when we found who Jesus is, like I said, I grew up Catholic, I didn't really know, uh, is that it changed our lives forever. We, we, we were just... We're done. I mean, we can't go back the way we were without knowing where we've just been, and that's with, with the Lord. Amen. So this is a – we're going to have to 
in this, but um, I was going to ask you if there was something you had to say, but you had already spoke before I was going to say it, uh, you know, for our listeners. I'll say one more thing. Can I just say one? Yeah, go ahead, brother. This is something that God told me, and, you know, I know everybody's heard it before, but it's so important to receive this, and it's just the Great Commission. This is what he's called all of us Christians to do. He says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubt. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. You know, he he took all that back. Adam lost it. And he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Everything. Obey everything. He's not saying just a couple of things. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Isn't that awesome? You know, those powerful words. Yes. You know, in, in the book of, in the Bible, it's nothing but powerful words. Uh it's a, it's, it's a guideline, you know, it's not a guide. It's an instructional manual to living mm-hmm. the, the truest, uh, happiest life that God had, had intended you to be. And the more you, the more I start reading in books, I'm like, you know what? If I would have read that about five years ago, yeah. I could have avoided this situation. <laughs> so, you know, but, but I, what I really want to say is, Thank you. Thank you, Brother Byron, oh, for thanks, testifying, for for opening the ears of the new listeners Thank that you, come Jesus. here. Yeah. Um, you are truly a brother of God, a brother of Christ to me. Um, I'm glad. I am so joyful that you're, you're here with us. I, you know, I, I love, I miss hearing you sing, and I miss, uh, you know, just hearing you playing the guitar mm-hmm. when you were gone for that short amount of time. Yeah. You were missed. I, I'm you know. coming back, man, bigger than bigger than ever. I tell you. So you know we're we're gonna be looking at Byron 2.0. <laughs> oh yeah. So so you know you got the you're bionic man now. <laughs> you got some bionic parts on. That's right. So uh, what I usually do is I ask my guests if they can pray us out. Mm-hmm. Would you mind? Yeah, sure. Lord, I just pray for the ones who are they have they need healing right now. I pray that you. Sp- Speak to their souls, that the, that the Holy Spirit will minister to them and let them know they can be healed. They can be healed. And that, that that's one of the promises God has given us. We, the, the, the problem is, is that we question too many things of God instead of receiving. So I pray that my brothers and sisters who need healing, they, that they will receive healing in their lives. And they will be made whole and their mind will be made new. And there'll be new creatures in Christ. Lord, I thank you for this time of sharing my testimony with Johnny. This is awesome. Bless him tremendously, I pray, on this ministry that he has. And I pray that everybody has a wonderful day. And we'll see you on the other side. Bye. Amen. (laughs) All right. I want to give a big thank you to all the new listeners that are happily stumbled upon here. You did not do this by accident. You came here because God wanted you to learn something. I thank you for for listening to the whole the whole time, mm-hmm. and for for the diehard listeners that listen to all my episodes, 
from my weird episodes to my more informative episodes. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Without you, this this podcast would not be here. And you are the glue that keeps it mm-hmm. together. Um, I also want to say if you or if you know someone who has a testimony that would love to speak and to, to help others, to boost, to raise up God and to help others through your testimony, uh, feel free to contact me at the Johnny Tacos podcast at gmail.com. Johnny Tacos podcast at gmail.com. Or you can talk to me on Facebook under Johnny Tacos podcast. Just leave me a message. Um, I will, will answer it usually within a couple hours. Um, I really want to, I really want you to be on here so you can, you can, um, amplify what God has done in your life. Um, with all that said, I hope y'all have a blessed day. God bless you. God keep you. This is Johnny tacos signing off. Thank you.